let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Andy and Sarah Justice faced one of the worst problems any couple could face. After trying for many years to conceive and have a child, they were not successful. Their hearts were full of love, but their arms were empty. Every month they waited to see whether Sarah would take in. And every month, their hope turned to despair. After years of empty arms, Andy and Sarah decided to go to a doctor and explore IVF to see if they could get pregnant. But the doctor told them the cost would be about 60,000 US dollars and there was only a 10% chance they would conceive. So finally, Andy and Sarah decided to adopt a child. They went through the preliminary process and they were introduced to a young lady who was pregnant who wanted to give up her child for adoption. At long last, it seemed that the empty place in their home would be filled. But what Andy and Sarah Justice didn't know was that God had more for them than they asked for. In fact, God had more for them than they expected. For shortly after a meeting with a young lady and agreeing to adopt her child, the young pregnant woman found out she was carrying triplets. She wasn't going to have one baby. She was going to have three. Hey! Sarah and Andy didn't want to split up the siblings, so they decided that they would adopt all three of the children. And when the triplets were born, Andy and Sarah were right there in the hospital and received them into their arms and took them home, praising God for his blessings. But then they got the shock of their lives. For just two weeks after adopting these triplets and taking them home, they discovered that Sarah herself was pregnant. And then, then, two months later, they discovered Sarah was carrying twins. Oh! Suddenly, Sarah and Andy Justice were the parents of five children, all in less than nine months. They went from empty to full. They went from despair to joy. They went from no children to more than they could carry. And there's a powerful lesson for all of us in the true story of Anda and Sarah Justice. Maybe you're here today and you're facing some emptiness in your life. Maybe there's emptiness in your heart. Maybe there's emptiness in your pocketbook. Maybe there's emptiness in your dreams. Maybe you're empty of joy and empty of peace and empty of hope. But I'm here to tell you today, no matter where you're empty, we serve a God of more. He can fill the barren womb. He can restore the barren soul. He can fill the empty wallet. He can fill the empty heart. And no matter what condition you're in today, God can turn it around. He can give you more than you can carry when you learn to follow his ways. That's the message in our sermon today. We're going to discover the three steps that every one of us can take to go from empty to overflow. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you are the God of more. We thank you that you can turn our emptiness into overflow. And we come before you today and ask you to speak to our hearts. We pray that you'll encourage our faith. We pray that you'll show us the steps we must take uh, to enter in to receive more 
that we can carry. We submit to you now, we bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our hearts and minds and give us the grace to obey your word. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I want to invite you to join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Somebody shout, More! God wants to do more in your life. He wants to give you more anointing. He wants to give you more wisdom. He wants to give you an overflow. He wants to give you more than you can carry. And that's what we're going to discover in our scripture text today. We're going to look at the story of when Jesus brought a miraculous catch of fish uh, to Peter and the disciples. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Now, to help you study the truth along with me, we prepared sermon notes. So go ahead and take those out. If you're watching online, you can find the sermon notes available free of charge at my website and on all my social media platforms. Go ahead and take out your notes and now receive the word of the Lord. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper, everybody say deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, everybody say if you say so. I let the nets down again, and this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Think for a moment about what had happened here. The disciples had been working hard all night. They were tired, they were dirty, they were hungry, and they had nothing to take home to their wives and children. They had got no fish and they had nothing at all. Their boats were empty, their nets were empty, their bellies were empty. Reminds me of a time many years ago when I was just starting out in ministry as an evangelist. Because at those days, money was very tight, I decided to get a temporary job that I could work sometime and earn some money to eat while I preached 
the rest of the time. And so I got a job, but unfortunately for me, the first job I got was in a block-making factory. And I had to carry the blocks from one side to the other. It was very difficult work. But the worst of all was a night shift. They gave me the night shift. I reported to work at 10 p.m. and closed at 6 a.m. Hey! It's very difficult to work in the night. It's very difficult to do manual labor throughout the night. It was terrible. I was tired and dirty, but at least at the end of the day, when my shift was over, they paid me something. But think of the disciples. They've labored. They've worked. They're tired. But they've got nothing to show for it, no pay at all, and it was a terrible thing. And that's what happened to Peter and James and John. They struggled and toiled and suffered, but had nothing to show for it. Their backs were aching, their bellies were empty, their boats were empty, their hopes were dashed. Yet in the midst of that emptiness, God brought fullness. In the midst of that pain, God brought joy. Their trial became a triumph. Their setback set them up for a comeback. And Jesus turned their mess into a message. See, the truth is, the failed fishing expedition actually set them up for a bigger miracle. If Peter's boat had been full of fish, Jesus could not have entered. But the fact that he had no fish, the fact that he was empty, the fact that his fishing expedition had failed, allowed room for Jesus to come in. And what looked like a bad night made a great day possible. What seemed like a failure was an opportunity for victory. And that's the message God sent me to tell you today. He sent me to encourage you that he can turn your darkness to light. He can turn your emptiness to fullness. He can turn your disappointment to hope. He can give you more than you can carry. He can shift you to a new place called more. See, the reason that relationship had to end was because God is moving you to a new place, a place of more. The reason that job fell through is because God has something better for you. The reason that effort didn't pay off is because God is getting ready to bring you to a place of overflow. And Peter went down from emptiness up into fullness because he learned to listen to Jesus. He got more than he could carry, and you can too when you learn how to follow the Lord in this story. So let's discover three steps to get more than you can carry. And here's your first step. You must separate yourself from the world. In order to get more than you can carry, you must separate yourself from the world. Listen again to what the Bible says in Luke 5.4. Jesus said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Everybody say deeper. And think about what's happening here. Jesus got into Peter's boat and he taught the people. Peter was right there listening. He was along with the crowd cheering and clapping and receiving the truth. But there came a point in time when Jesus said, you've got to separate yourself from the crowd. You've got to launch out with me and go deeper. You've got to get away from the crowd, get away from the multitude, and separate yourself. And here's the fact that all of us need to know today. The more you separate yourself for Jesus, the more you enter the arena of overflow. No matter what you're passing through, no matter the difficulties you're in, no matter how dark the night or how dry the desert, when Jesus gets involved, your circumstances change. For the truth is, the presence of Jesus is the starting point for more. When he enters your boat, anything can happen. His presence brings a shift. 
Jesus makes a way where there is no way. He turns empty nets into full ones. He turns empty boats into a full boat. He turns darkness into light. He turns death into life. He turns despair into hope. It's his presence in your life that brings abundance. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And the fact is, abundance is only available in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, Peter's boat was empty. Peter might have had the nicest boat on the Sea of Galilee. He might have spent big money for a big yacht. But without Jesus, his boat was empty. And without Jesus, your boat will be empty. Your life Life will be empty. You may be here today and you're full of things, full of activities, full of riches, full of relationships, but without Jesus, your life is empty because Jesus is the source of every good thing in your life. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 5.8. The Word of God says, God qualified Jesus as a perfect high priest, and he became the source. Everybody say the source. The source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. So the first step of getting into the overflow, the first step of getting into the abundance of God is to get into the presence of Jesus. When he got into their boat and told them to launch out into the deep, he was saying to them, I've got more for you. And God is saying the same to you today. It's time for you to go deeper. It's time for you to launch out. It's time for you to separate yourself from the world and get along with me because he is the source. He's calling you deeper in prayer, deeper in the word, deeper in the anointing, deeper in worship, deeper in his spirit, deeper in every good thing, for he is the source of every good thing, the source of life and prosperity and peace. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to your source. Somebody say amen. If you want more than you can carry, you will only find it in the bosom of Jesus. But here's the catch. In order to get closer to Jesus, you have to get further away from the crowd. If you want to go deeper with Jesus, you have to draw apart from the world. You can know him from a distance in the crowd, but you can only know him up close when you separate yourself from the world. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. If you want to be singled out for God's favor, then you can't be mixed up with God's foe. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. That's why the Bible says in James 4, 4 to 5, don't you know, don't you know, ask your neighbor, don't you know, that to be a friend of the world is to hate God? Aye. So anyone who chooses to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Aye. Don't you know what Scripture says? God wants the Spirit in us to belong only to him. See, God wants you to belong to him. He doesn't want to share you with anyone. He doesn't want your loyalty divided. He doesn't want you got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. He wants you to be separated because even though we're in the world, we do not belong to the world around us. We're here in the physical, natural realm, but God tells us we are to be separated from the world's ways, the world's opinions, the world's systems. That's why Jesus said in John 15, 19, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it but you are no longer part of the world I chose you to come out from the world 
He's chosen us to be separated from the world so that we can stay on the straight path that he's on. You can't stay close to Jesus and stay close to the world. You can't be close to the Lord and close to the devil. You've got to stay on the straight path without straying away. Simply put, if you're headed in a different direction from Jesus, you'll never be close to him. And it's time for you to make up your mind. Are you going God's way or are you going the way of the world? That's the lesson we could learn from the world's most dangerous highway. Highway 150 in Mexico winds its way through some of the most difficult terrain on earth. It climbs up mountains and overlooks sharp cliffs. But what makes Highway 150 so dangerous is that for some bizarre reason, the government created this road so that as you climb the mountain on Highway 150, you have to change the side you're driving on. You begin driving on the right, and all of a sudden, the road points and the arrows point, and you have to shift to begin driving on the left. Then as you bend the curve and overlook a cliff, you have to shift to begin driving on the right. And the only thing that will tell you which side you're supposed to drive on are some arrows on the pavement painted there to direct you. Imagine switching sides at a moment's notice as you're climbing a steep hill overlooking a steep cliff all while bending and curving around a mountain. A truck is coming at you on the left, and all of a sudden, the arrows point, and you have to switch at the last minute, and the truck goes right, and you go left. Hey, it's crazy. But as crazy as Highway 150 in Mexico is, there's something even crazier. It's people who live their lives like that highway, switching sides over and over. One day they're following Jesus, the next day they're following their girlfriend. One day they're following Jesus, the next day they're following the world. One moment they're following the Lord, the next moment they're following sin. And that's how many people live. It's a dangerous way of life because when you continue like that, switching sides over and over again, once for Jesus, next for sin, once for Jesus, next for sin, you will end up headed in the opposite direction of Jesus. You're with God, then you're against him. You're with God, then you're against him. Eventually, you're going to crash. Eventually, you're going to go over the edge because the fact is, it's what separates us that keeps us safe. You can only be safe in God's arms and only be safe in his overflow when you're separated from the world. That's why 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18 says, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And here's why the first step to overflow is to separate from the world. The world's ways and the world's opinions and the world's desires are at odds with God's ways. You cannot agree with God and agree with the world at the same time. So stop trying to be popular in the world. Stop trying to win the praise and the applause of people and start living for the applause of God because the source of your overflow is the presence of the Lord. And the closer you get to Jesus, 
the closer you get to your source, the closer you get to your abundance, the closer you get to the source of all things. But when you follow fornication and follow greed and follow rebellion and follow lying, you get further and further from Jesus and further from the source of your overflow. Now, this doesn't make sense to the natural mind. The natural man says, the way for me to get ahead is to grab. The way for me to get ahead is to push down everybody else. The way for me to get ahead is to use ways and means. Uh, they will tell you that if you want to succeed, you've got to push and shove and grab. They will encourage you to use all kinds of ways and means to get what you want. But God's ways are not man's ways. For the Lord says in Isaiah 55, 89, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So understand this truth today. God's word is true and man's ways are false. And that brings us to our second step to overflow. You've got to understand today you must submit yourself to God's words. Listen to how Peter submitted to Christ in Luke 5, 5. He said this, if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Somebody say, Lord, if you say so, I will obey you. See, here's how the story continues. Jesus has stopped preaching to the people. He wants to go deeper with Peter, so they've launched out into the deep. Then Jesus challenges Peter to submit to, to Jesus' words. He tells Peter, cast your net that you might catch fish. And Peter starts to argue with Jesus. After all, Peter was a professional fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter. Peter has been out all night fishing and knows there's no fish in that lake. And Jesus is a newcomer. He's a Johnny just come. But when Jesus told him to let down the nets, Peter argued and then he said, okay, but wait a minute. I will obey. If you say so, I'll let the debts down again. And here's what we learn from that. Once Peter was separated from the world and got closer to Jesus, the presence of Jesus began to change him. Because any time you get closer to Jesus, your heart becomes more yielded to him. Any time you get closer to Jesus, you start to become more willing, more hungry to obey. He not only changes your empty boat to a full one, he changes you. Peter had to humble himself, and you have to humble yourself. You have to tell God to take control of your thoughts, and that obedience will lead to breakthrough. For the truth is, obedience always leads to abundance. When he obeyed the word, it didn't seem possible. It didn't seem reasonable. Peter got a miracle instead. God's power came down and overflowed in his life and brought a miraculous catch. But here was the problem with Peter, and here's the problem for most of us. We allow what we see to determine what we know. When God is calling us to let what we know determine what we see. For the Bible tells us what we see should not be the basis of our faith. That's why Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is being sure of what we do not See, and consider what the Lord is telling us here. Simply put, what you see must not influence your faith. Your faith must influence what you see. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Don't apply your experience to your faith. Apply your faith to your experience. Yeah. 
When I see nothing, my faith knows there's something coming for me. When it seems like I'm empty, my faith knows that I serve the God who will bring more and overflow into my life. When I rely on my sight, I will be limited by what I see. But when I walk in faith, I live an unlimited life, and there is no limit to what God can do. If you believe it, say amen. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. When what I see is determined by what I know, I will experience overflow. So what do you know today? You know that God's word is true. For Hebrews 6.17 says, God also bound himself with an oath, so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. And God wants you to know today, he will never change his mind. Your girlfriend may change her mind. Your husband may change his mind. Your boss may change his mind. But my God will never change his mind. For James 1.17 says, God our Father never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And when you know that God doesn't change, when you know he doesn't change his mind, you know you can trust in him. You can rely on him. You can build on him. You can walk with him. For Hebrews 10.23 says, God can be trusted to keep his promise. And the fact is, Hebrews 6.18 tells us, it is impossible for God to lie. Somebody shout, it is impossible, it is impossible. for God to lie. Impossible. And I came to tell you today, it is impossible for elephants to fly. It is impossible for a rock to swim. It is impossible for a leopard to change its spots. It is impossible for an old man like me to become young again. And it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for him to exaggerate. He never over-promises and under-delivers. It's impossible for him to deceive you or manipulate you or trick you. He cannot lie. And not only will God not lie, he has the power to do whatever he says. For Romans 4.21 says, God is able to do whatever he promises. For after all, his word is power. Listen to Psalm 33.6-9. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The strange thing is, most of us would rather believe the words of man than believe the words of God. We would rather believe our own ideas than the words of the living creator who made heaven and earth. And billions of people around the world, even churchgoers, would rather listen to the word of man, but they ignore the word of the God who cannot lie. That's what we learned from the story of a man named Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff was an investment banker who ran an investment firm in New York City in the 1990s. It was called Ascot Partners. Back in the 1990s, Ascot Partners began making waves in New York City because reports of serious wealth began to circulate. It wasn't long before people were trooping into Ascot Partners to invest their money so that they could reap a mighty reward. In fact, over 60 billion U.S. dollars were invested in Ascot Partners. 
But alas, at the end of the day, it was all a lie. The entire company was built on a lie, using money from one investor to pay off another. By the time the government uncovered the truth, more than 65 billion US dollars had vanished. Families lost their savings. Companies lost their pensions. The collapse of Ascot Partners became the biggest bankruptcy of a financial investment firm in the history of the US. Bernie Madoff convinced thousands of people to believe him. But in the end, he was convicted of fraud and sentenced to prison, where he died in prison. $65 billion lost, thousands of people deceived. Here in Ghana, we've had our own share of banks that have collapsed, financial investment firms that have gone sour, and money has evaporated. And when you look carefully, you see the same problem as what we saw in New York with Bernie Madoff. Thousands of people will believe what man says while they ignore what the God who cannot lie says. I was reading not so long ago about one woman here in Ghana who lost a huge sum of money in one of these financial investment schemes. When she was asked, why did you invest in this company? She said, because a famous actress promoted it. And a famous hip-hop artist said it was genuine. She was convinced because a famous actress and a famous hip-hop star told her to do it. But she will not believe the word of the God who cannot lie. Why would you believe the story of an actress and not believe the God who created her? Why would you believe the promotion of a footballer, but not believe the God who gave him the talent to play the football? Why would you believe a banker, but not the God who gave him the mind to add two plus two? The fact is God has given us a clear path of prosperity. He's told us plainly how we can get more than we can carry. It's not an investment scheme. It's not a stock tip. It's not playing the numbers in a betting machine or on a lotto. It's not a real estate opportunity. God tells us when we pay our tithe and give, we will carry more than we can carry. For God said, give, and it will be given to you. God says, when you tithe, the heavens will be opened unto you, and I will pour out a blessing. You'll invest in a scheme based on the word of man, but you refuse to obey the word of God where he promises you riches untold. And God's word works. When you submit to God's word, you enter the arena of overflow. For the Lord declares in Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, my word always produces fruit. It will accomplish all. Everybody say all. all. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper. Somebody say prosper. Everywhere I send it. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. If you won't trust God with your riches, he won't trust you with his. You cannot withhold from God and expect God to bless your life. I challenge you to add up every Pessoa, every penny of income this year. Add it up and make sure you paid your tithe and put something extra in your tithe just to make sure you didn't miss anything. Get it right with God. You may have a thousand reasons in your mind why you say, I can't, I shouldn't, I wouldn't be generous with God. But why would you choose to believe man and ignore the almighty creator of heaven and earth? If he knew enough to make the heavens, he knows enough how to bless you. If he knew enough to create this life, if he knew enough to give you breath, if he knew enough to guide you to this place, won't he also guide you to more than you can carry?
Why would you believe yourself and not the God who formed you? You may think you know how to make the best decisions, but you cannot even predict the next five minutes in your life. But I'm here to tell you God can predict the next five minutes. He can tell you the next five months. He can tell you the next five years. He can tell you the next 50,000 years. He has it all mapped out. You can't even determine the future, but God knows tomorrow and he knows the next millennia. For Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, I alone am God. I am God and there is no like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. And the fact is, you have to do what God says. You have to obey his word. For the truth is, you will avoid your greatest regrets when you allow the truth of God's word to guide your decisions. You cannot build a life of success on a foundation of lies. Either you trust God or you don't. Either you obey him or you don't. It's impossible to be half in, half out. You cannot cast half a net. You have to cast the whole net. If you want to get to overflow, you have to go all in. And that brings us to our third step, surrender to God's ways. See, here's how our story of overflow ends. In Luke 5.11, the Bible says, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, at first glance, this seems so strange. What are you talking about? The moment Peter gets what he's been fighting for, the moment he gets what he's been struggling for, he gets up and leaves it. Hey, Peter, are you mad? He abandons the miraculous catch and follows Jesus. Why? He could have sold that fish and made plenty money. He could have paid his debt, paid his children's school fee. He could have bought his wife a new head tie and wrapper. Aye! But there's something deeper going on here. Peter has been changed. He realizes now that there's something more valuable than the stinking fish that will perish. He's come to discover there's something greater than the gold and silver of this world. He's had his eyes open to see that he can live a continual life of overflow if he follows Jesus. Peter begins to realize that the fish in the nets is a one-time miracle, but walking with Jesus is a daily life of abundance. And that's the choice facing all of us today. You may struggle and use ways and means. You may get some great opportunity. You may be set for life with riches, but no matter how rich, no matter what you get, one day, one day, it will all perish. But when you follow Jesus, he gives you life, abundant life, and you can continually tap into him. You can have eternal riches better than what the world can offer. It's about knowing him. It's about a God who's too wonderful to imagine. It's about bringing your heart to the God of the overflow, who's so loving and compassionate. It's awakening to the reality that the reality of our purpose is to live for him, for God's path to prosperity is not always plain. God's path to prosperity doesn't always come in the way we expect. Do you remember the story I told you at the beginning of the sermon? The story about Andy and Sarah Justice. You know, they couldn't have any children of their own, so they agreed to adopt, and they met a young lady who was pregnant. She agreed to let them have her child and raise it. Then they found out she had triplets, and they took all three. And then right after that, they found out Sarah was pregnant, and then they discovered she had twins, and they got five children in nine months. 
Wow, that's a blessing from God. But here's the amazing thing. That likely would not have happened if they'd not opened their hearts to receiving the triplets. When God opened their hearts to take in other person's children, God opened Sarah's wombs to receive twins. In other words, when they stepped out to give, they became recipients. And that's the truth we all need to embrace today. When you empty yourself, you open yourself to God's abundance. God doesn't fill hands that are clenched tight. God doesn't fill hands that are already holding something. God fills hands that are empty. For it's in dying to self that we live. It's in helping others that we prosper. It's in carrying others' burdens that our own are lifted. It's in giving that we receive. That's why Jesus said in Mark 8:35, if you try to hang onto your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will save it. The door to overflow isn't obvious to most people. Most folks think it's grabbing and getting for myself. But if you want to get more than you can carry, you have to give yourself to Jesus and surrender to him. For God's path to your prosperity is not always plain. It doesn't come in the way we expect. But Jesus shows us the way to overflow. When we surrender all to him, all our expectations, all our plans, all our desires, all of our rights, all of our dreams, then he gives us more than we can carry. When we surrender all to him and let Jesus have his way, we end up with more than we ask for, more than we expect, more than we can carry. That's the promise of Jesus himself in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I came to give you life, life in all its fullness. And I challenge you today to let it go and let God have his way. I challenge you today to separate yourself from the world. Get away from the crowd and draw near to the source of your abundance. I challenge you today to submit to God's word. Obey it, whether it makes sense, whether your mother agrees, whether social media tells you, do what God says, for he's the God who cannot lie. And surrender to God's ways. For when you empty yourself, you open yourself to the God who will give you more than you can carry. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. I ask for each and every one watching and listening today that you will stir our hearts and challenge us. Lord, I speak to those who are empty right now. Like Peter, they've been struggling and trying, but there's no way through. But their empty boat makes room for you. So come in, Lord, to the empty heart. Come into the empty womb. Come into the empty pocketbook. Come into the empty dreams. Come in, O oh Lord, with your presence. You are the source of every good thing. Come and fill us as we separate ourselves to you and submit to your word. Speak to us. Show us the path of righteousness. Give us the way we should follow. Let our hearts be open to you as we draw near change us so that we will come and surrender lord for we're not just out for a miracle we don't just need a breakthrough lord most of all we need you we empty ourselves come and fill us this day 
In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.